Hey, hey, everybody. Hi. It's what? Welcome to another episode of Jeff has cool friends. It's me, Jeff May from the cool friends having show. Uh, I'm very excited to be uh, joined today by one of my very, very cool friends. Actually, I would put this out there. I don't know if this is sad or not. Uh, probably my best friend that I've never met. Uh, this person is a senior editor at crack.com. You may have heard of it. Uh, he is a brown person and he wants you to support POC and LGBTQ plus creatives. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Logan Trent. Logan, hey, buddy. Hey, I want to echo the statement of you also being the best friend that I have not met physically in person. So it's weird, yeah. right? Like, I've you're, I, I was having this conversation with Valerie recently where I said, uh, I, uh, I, I'm on one group chat like mm -hmm. just one and it's you and tom ryman it's strange because i've met tom in person once for maybe like 20 minutes like three years ago but i mm -hmm. feel like if just randomly like we ever met up or something i don't feel we would be awkward and i feel like we'd kind of just naturally fall into our like kind of group text the rhythm. chatting thing like it just i don't think that we'd have that awkward rhythm of like online friends meeting in life for the first time <laughs> well honestly like because yeah. i've had a lot of online friend meetings i used to be on the we're going to talk about this because you and i are eerily similar in, in existence if not in in um melanin content because boy am i the opposite <laughs> i am a jar of mayonnaise and i'm not mad about it but uh I was going to say, we're, we're so similar. I was on the Wizard Universe message boards. You remember Wizard? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the AOL ones or the... Uh, no, no, like on their... They had a they had message the boards on their like website. Yeah. And I ended up finding some very good friends, like incredibly great friends. And we would all meet up at like C2E2 in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And we would hang up, hang out. And, and it was like... You, you, meeting these people for the first time. And it was just like, oh, it's this guy. And you do sort of find yourself gravitating towards your your tribe, I guess, um, very specifically. And, and it does kind of come off very naturally if you've been interacting with people for long enough. Yeah, with us, it's kind of strange because it's not just like comic sh Like we have very similar interests like with sports and just like assorted other things too, where it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, it's weird. We should have been friends like 15 years ago or something like that. It, it is. It's literally yeah. the only good thing about the internet. I would yes. say is that we have uh, been able to sort of find, you know, friends have been able to find each other in ways where they might not have in the future or in the oh, past. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that might be the only good thing. Um, it's funny though. You are, you're a bit of an internet ghost for somebody with a public profile um, and, uh, and a blue check mark on, on your, on your Twitter account. And, you know, researching you is actually a lot harder than you'd think. Part of that is, kind of by design i guess in certain aspects yeah what's what the f is that all about so like when i was starting out in comedy and things like that it's just it's very white <laughs> and especially mm -hmm. in circa 2008 of there so i just i didn't know how people would really be able to either accept me or how I would figure my way into that because I literally had zero connections. I don't know anybody in the, like usually you hear like, Oh, my friend told me to go to this website or, Oh, somebody gave me the shot. Mine was pure. Just me one day signing up for a message board and being like, 
okay, if this doesn't work out, then I have to go do a real job too. And also I don't know any of these people or if they're kind of like slightly racist, <laughs> you know? So yeah. yeah. I mean, is that because you are uh, of Middle Eastern descent, correct? Uh, yeah. Both of my parents are Iraqi uh, from Baghdad. So, okay. So that, yeah. I mean, obviously then I get it. <laughs> like, like you're you're it's seven years <laughs> off of nine eleven and we're in the middle of a war. Like it's not only that, but I literally graduated. I literally got out of high school the year like I got out of high school. Summer happened, and that fall nine eleven happened. So literally the entirety of my so that's job. That's what you did when you had free time. That's what happens when we give Logan a summer off. Adult search was looking for jobs there. Yeah, so. I got rejected for literally everything in real world jobs. Like I would just immediately, like I'd show up for an interview. I kind of see the face of like, uh, okay. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm definitely not getting it. And I'm not talking about like hard jobs or like office jobs, even just like working in a movie theater was like dog. I was rejected for that. So I have a kind of, I kind of was coming into like when I was signing up for crack and that stuff, like with that mindset of like, I kind of needed to be guarded. Like we're just coming off of Bush and everything. So that really kind of was one of the bigger things for me kind of trying to have like that little separation where it was like, okay, I'll try to build up a thing where I can kind of like have a little bit of a comedic voice, but I still need to be guarded off of this stuff because I don't really trust it yet. And at the same time, I need to have, you know, my stuff in order in case I have to go back to doing like shipping and receiving stuff like I was doing before. So Fair. Yeah. Um, is Logan Trent your real name? Yes. Legal name. So okay. Yeah. All right. I, I was wondering because Trent is an interesting last name uh, in that it's it's very unique. Um, or is that your middle name or is that you don't have to give me your last name. I'm not a <laughs> there's a long story involving that and my first name and my parents divorce and just a bunch of different weird that would take um, about a half hour to explain so. well i mean the show the show is runs longer than that but uh, so that's yeah. fine but i um, because you you had mentioned uh you know privately and i don't know how much you feel like talking about your family but you, you're you're you come from a non-traditional family in which your your dad kind of was uh, i guess the good fight club quote is setting up franchises yeah it's he was there until like I was 13 and then he kind of just randomly started turning to an ass. And at one point my mom just like straight up divorced. She just was like, I'm not dealing with this. You. Yeah. It's like, so she picked me because she always would pick me. So yeah, you are yeah. the product of her <laughs> loins. <laughs> yeah. So then after that, like he just kind of was just setting up franchises or kind of just women in different area codes type situations with that. So it's good. It's good. Uh, good. Good vocal edit there. Yeah. So just um, yeah, weird situation with the dad thing. Although I do, I can't always be angry at him because he's kind of the reason why I was into a lot of that I was into, like movies and things like that. Oh yeah, was he a big nerd? He got me into like he's old, so I forgot what there was a tweet that i read a while ago like nothing there's this separate era of weirdness when you have an old dad that nobody gets where like oh yeah you're watching like all the old old <laughs> that they liked yeah like 10 year olds should not have favorite like charlie chaplin movies or like have strong opinions about what actor was better as the husband on bewitch but 
eight-year-old Logan definitely did have that. So to be fair, yeah. I had that same. I had the same vibe uh, mainly because I used to watch uh, reruns of Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie. Yeah, it's my pop culture thing. I think I guess it helps me in the long term just having that. But it's just really weird because I have like the pop culture knowledge of a boomer and then like of someone who's kind of I don't know what generation my mom would fit in like older gen x or something and then our millennial stuff so yeah so you're i mean it's good. helpful for like my job but it's also really weird because sometimes i'll be like oh wait no one under 38 or no one under 55 gives a about that so i have yeah. to kind of hold myself yeah yeah that that is yeah. weird to like to gravitate towards you know like like when people our age because you know i mean i was born in 81 but when people are like really into movies from the 70s mm-hmm. i'm always like uh, yeah all right that's me like, yeah right there yeah i've had like i'll have a long ass conversation about weird ass billy wilder movies and, and like passionately so but i love when people are like yeah. the greatest superhero <laughs> movie of all time superman and it's like shut up like, as someone <laughs> as someone who like almost cried when christopher reeve got paralyzed no yeah, it's, no, a, it's it's not, and it ends stupid, and it's fine. But like, yeah, like he was great, you know, like he was incredible. But I love when people try to like they try to pretend that like the thing that they grew up on is like objectively good. And I'm like, no, you just grew up on it, man. How do you not understand that He Man isn't the greatest cartoon of all time? I think that that's one of the reasons why I get along with you and Tom so well is that like when we talk about that we like from childhood and stuff, we're unapologetic about liking it but we're also not completely blinded where we're stupid about it like we're able to make fun of the things that are clearly idiotic and stuff and too many times in some of the fanboyish culture it just has you locked in where if anybody is critical in any sort of form it feels like a personal attack and i think that stems back to just like maybe about 10 years ago when nerd culture just wasn't as popular and it felt like everything was a battle Mm-hmm. Where now, like we've won, and like it's settled down. You can make fun of boy. Yeah. Boy, have we won, and boy, do nerds not want to accept it. They no, really, don't. <laughs> like it's funny because when you're a part of a group that has been that considered themselves downtrodden. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't consider nerds to have necessarily been like this downtrodden group that that they've always ascribed to. Yeah. Um, but it is funny to see them, and they're like. It's like, dude, you you won. Your movies are the biggest movies in the world. And now they're mad that other people like the things they liked. The stuff like, I can't believe my mom knows who Groot is. And it's, it's like, how about just shut weird. up? Yeah. They, it's like they, that's, when... that's the reminder of why people didn't like those people. It's not about that. It's just clearly you're an ass. Yeah, it's when something becomes so acceptable like that, and then you find that, oh, wait, maybe it's because my personality was the toxic thing that was preventing me from things. It's it's, kind of a hard thing to swallow, I guess. Yes, it's hard to be faced with the information that it wasn't your interests that made people not like you. It was you. Yeah. Uh, Which is that. But it is is interesting, yeah, because we do. We we recognize that the we loved isn't isn't objectively great it is subjectively great i i watched it as i was forming who i am as a person uh and therefore that that stuck there i i buy he-man stuff but i'm not gonna like say like oh this is the greatest show of all time i'm gonna be like man this awful show really did have a great impact on me yeah either you grow or you just kind of stay stagnant and if you stay stagnant in that then it's 
a little bit sad. <laughs> it it sure is. And you get that a lot in, in comic shops too. These guys mm-hmm. that like all they do is they talk about how like the greatest of all time is like Jack Kirby or John Byrne. And you're like, are you, are, are you sure? Or do you just remember them from a time that was really good in your life? It's almost like the nerd version of people who peaked in high school instead of like, you know, talking about football or like going state or something like that. It's like, oh man, do you remember the Claremont run? Nothing better than the Claremont run. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it, it it also ties into, uh, to make a sports analogy, the people that are like, LeBron will never be as good as Jordan. And you're like, why? And they're like, because, and it's like, is it because he played basketball when you were a little boy? Is that why Michael Jordan is the great? Like, I get that Michael Jordan's great, but like to pretend that there is no room for anybody to ever be comparable is ridiculous. I'm a Bulls fan, so bias (laughs) there. But at the same time, my approach to LeBron is that I remember everyone on Jordan like that weren't Bulls fans. Like he was the most popular guy on earth. But at the same time, man, did Knicks fans hate him. Man, well, of did course. other That's teams not hate him. on him? That's just no. hating him for being so dominant. There was also old school folks who of like the Oscar era or the Dr. J era too, who were kind of taking a little bit of on him. And one of the things that I just always kind of took away from that is like, if you really like basketball and you really like it, why wouldn't you want to celebrate someone who's great at it, regardless of the era? So like, when I see like modern LeBron and that like. There's things that I admit he does better than MJ, and there's things that he doesn't do better than MJ, and it's just I'm glad that I'm around to watch him because he's so f***ing amazing. So it's just I don't understand that attitude of not wanting to acknowledge greatness just because it's something new or something different from what you're usually used to, and it's just a boring way to live. I feel like it's home team, um, like kind of being a homer in that regard, but also, Mm -hmm. but it's like home time. Yeah. Like, not only do you care so much about your region, but you're like, I mean, because like, you know, I'm one of those people that's just like, you know, the 86 Celtics. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I mean, who's who's better? And like, probably <laughs> several teams. But in my head, the 86 Celtics are like one of the greatest teams of all time because I like guess where I'm from <laughs> and guess when I grew up. Uh, so so there is definitely uh, that sort of a vibe that you get. Yeah, out of that, out out of these people, but I, I don't know, man. This whole idea that we should be precious about the things we grew up with—it's like, no, man. I, I do a podcast where I make fun of Batman. I think I kind of—I was an only child growing up, and I was kind of like a latchkey kid. So for me, like, it kind of goes back to like I didn't really have people guiding me directly towards what I was supposed to think was cool or what I liked. So I kind of just gravitated to like all genres and like. I really didn't care about like gender stuff. Like I watched Sailor Moon and I didn't give a and stuff like that. So I guess it's just, I don't want the opportunity of finding something new and cool to like disappear just because I'm like so head ass about some other bullshit. Where I'm just <laughs> like, it's, there's a lot of great stuff that you're going to miss out on if you're that ignorant or if you're that just close minded. So why the hell would you want to do that? Just, yeah, I never really yeah. <laughs> pulled away from like the I guess what you would consider like the girl cartoons, you know, from when we were kids. Like I remember watching Gem. I still remember the yeah. Gem. Gem is excitement. Ooh, Gem. like I still remember that that whole theme. Like I watched that. Shit. I watched My Little Pony because it was on and it was animated, and I was like, hell yeah. They, 
I remember I was like a little kid and my mom was just getting me a sleeping bag type thing. And I guess they didn't, they ran out of the He-Man one. So I just had her get me a Shiro one. I was like, this is foolish. <laughs> so it's Damn. like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was rad as hell. I got, I got, uh, man, Chalkline sent me a bunch of stuff and they sent me like too many He-Man jackets to the point where I was like, <laughs> this might be a bit much. He was like, I put some extra stuff in there. I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to have time to put on all these jackets. That is such a Jeff May problem. It's just it, like where most people just like the idea of having a He-Man jacket would present the conundrum. It's you. I have too many He-Man jackets. Well, it's like th- yeah. that is a very me problem, I guess. Yeah. But it, and it's not a problem because like, no. dude, the, the guy at Chalkline, I don't know who he thinks I am, but like he sends me, I, I think the last package they sent me it was like $2,000 worth. Of it's always cool as shit. Because you've shown me pictures before, and that stuff is rad as hell. Yeah, like, but yeah. there's, like, stuff you haven't, like, other than, like, an unboxing stuff or whatever, there's stuff you haven't seen because I'm just like, well, I'm going to hold on to this. There's no reason for me to wear six He-Man jackets. Because <laughs> I got the one with, like, the villain toys on the back, which is, like, mm-hmm. unbelievable. But then they also sent me one that's just got, like, just he it's just He-Man. It's, like, blue. It's just He-Man. And then they sent me one that's, like, purple and green that's just Skeletor. And then they sent me like a satin one that's got Castle Grayskull on it. And it's like, I'm like, man, this is this is a problem. I have a, it's an embarrassment of He-Man jackets. So that's one other question I got. You're in L.A. Where the hell do you even find like the weather that's conducive to you wearing a jacket at all? <laughs> I mean, aside from this week, it's been in like the 60s, or, like the 50s and 60s um, pretty consistently. Like we have okay. our winter is essentially like a nice soft fall. All right. So like, yeah, I'm not going to wear like a parka. Yeah, no. Okay. So it's not like a fubu jacket or like a starter pullover or something. No, they're yeah. they're perfect cuz they're like they're uh the two jackets that they send are are um essentially that that they make or they have cuz they have an anorak style one like a pullover style, but yeah. for the most part they send me these kind of like nylon like waterproofy jackets that are like really great and kind of thin and then mm-hmm. the satin jackets which are you know more more of just like a long sleeve shirt made of satin that you button up it's it's not exactly going to be go out of its way to heat you up yeah but it so just looks that, cool as hell <laughs> so it's it's kind of perfect like and plus you know we have ac like i you know i yeah. go to my pinball league and it's it's crazy like how cold it is in there um plus i travel you know uh we're recording this uh april 5th uh in the past uh, and uh and tomorrow i'm flying back to massachusetts where it's going to be in the 50s and raining pretty much the whole time that is true yeah you, know? you i neglected to think about all the times that you travel for like cons and like that yeah, or even tra- just home so yeah, yeah like i'll be in michigan in the beginning of may yeah so i'll, I'll need to, i'm i'm gonna be in massachusetts like i i tour for comedy you know i was just in eureka california and that's cold as too so you know it presents itself to be there but i'd also don't go out of my way to like have like big heavy winter jackets because i'm smart enough to not travel during that yeah with me it's just i get sick of texas weather so i kind of would welcome like a snow trip one time <laughs> like i'm yeah. i'm actually surprised you still live in texas to be 100 percent honest i'm genuinely surprised you haven't moved to los angeles um why didn't you do that i was literally literally in the process of thinking of doing that and then pandemic struck (laughs) so that kind of like derailed it and like now with like the situation everything like my mom's out here so it's like 
I really don't want to like leave her now. She's, you know, she's getting a little older and stuff. And I also got kind of like some land and things. So it's kind of like, I don't want to. That's like a very yeah. interesting and weird, like westward settler sentence to have. Like, well, I just got some land. And so I'm going to settle down here. So it's just like, yeah, I don't, I, at the same time, I kind of don't want to leave my mind, my mom, but I also don't want to go into a really pricey city and have a huge increase in rent and all of that stuff. But yeah, at some point I need to start traveling again because I'm starting to feel a little more comfortable with like, you know, vaccines and stuff like that. Like I haven't been to Chicago in like three years, which is weird as So when are you going to go back to Chicago? Are you going to go for C2E2 sometime? I'm in a fantasy basketball league with a bunch of my friends from just various eras, like high school and adulthood. Mm -hmm. So usually what I would do is I would go when we had our draft because it was like the perfect way to just see 15 people at once and not have to like, oh, are we going to go see a movie? Are we going to go to this restaurant? Can we do this thing and that? So if I went, it would probably be for that fall, for this fall when we do another draft. So, yeah. Hmm. Fair enough. You're a yeah, coward. It's just, Got it. It's the problem is like when they're older now, like a bunch of them are starting to have kids and things. So it's kind of harder just to get people out for a night. So like I said, having like that pre-planned thing is just so much easier. Logan, but, let me yeah. tell you about Los Angeles and your friends out here. Okay. All of yes. us <laughs> losers. We have no friend. We have no family. Uh, we have ourselves. Uh, you got to come out and visit because we're so available. I need to come out and we need to go to Cracker Barrel. That's going to happen at some point. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, some of you might be familiar with the Gamefully Unemployed uh, movie nights that we do uh, every Friday night on Gamefully Unemployed through their Discord. Um, but we talk a lot about Cracker Barrel. It's like one of my favorite restaurants uh, for a very specific reason is it. I've literally never set foot in Cracker Barrel. So it's just, that's, yeah. If I'm breaking that threshold, it's going to be with you guys. Yeah. And there's one in Victorville right near, right near Tom. Cause Tom moved out to the desert. He's just like, I think I want to be where it's 125 degrees. Every single time he moves, it's into some other part of California that I've never heard of before. And it's like somehow the equal two hour drive away from you guys every time. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a trek, but uh, obviously I feel, I feel like the quality of his life is probably a little bit higher out there. Um, yeah. as far as like location and, and stuff like that because yeah oh no there's not more stuff to do no That's i mean more stuff to do with like his you know oh yeah. i could actually have a bigger place to live in that's i could the, actually afford to key, save yeah. some cash and stuff like yeah so yeah that's the uh that's that's a real key there but it, it is definitely one of those things that we we take a look at and i'm just like man i don't know i, I get it like I couldn't not be near people. I'm like a big, I get a lot of my energy from people. I'm not a, I need to be alone person. Mm -hmm. Like I hate that silence because I'm, uh, I'm needy and, and dependent. Apparently I'm just having a breakthrough right now. I'm kind of weird in that aspect where I can like, I can literally not see anybody for a month and probably be fine. And then like I said, just like we hang out on the movie nights and stuff. And that's just like, okay, that's fine. That's like, yeah. a, like it's I, like I said, I think it's because of the only child syndrome. So I kind of had to entertain myself a lot and I've got a dog. So that's like, okay, don't really need more than that. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, it's one of the, like, I'm a massive extrovert. Mm -hmm. Like, like I need to be around people because I get energy from people uh, and not in a vampiric way. It's just that being around people recharges me uh, when it's people I like. 
and it drains me when it's insufferable people that I don't like. Yeah, no. Like if any of my friends asked me to do anything, I'd just be like, yep, okay. And I'd go out. But if it's like just going out for the sake of going out, it's like, eh. <laughs> yeah, like I remember yeah. going to bars and just being like, I hate this. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, it's I don't know most of these people and I'm probably going to have to break up at least two fights here in Wrigleyville. So, But if I go to like a yeah. party or something and it's like the same amount of alcohol is flowing and, mm -hmm. and there's the same number of people, I'll be like, well, I like this because I, I trust these people not to be awful. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's just you. Like you said, you kind of have to find your tribe. And once you do, it just feels so much easier. You know, it's really funny, too, because we do have a lot of similarities and there are there are there are personal curiosities that I have about like your growing up and your experience growing up um, as as a person of Iraqi descent in Chicago. Is that that's where mm -hmm. you grew up? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to like somebody of, uh, you know, uh, Western and Northern European descent in Massachusetts, just these drastically different things. And yet we sort of we parallel so hard. Like, were you, were, when did you start reading comics? I literally cannot remember a time in my life when I did it because I, I learned to read using comics when I was like four. So mm -hmm. like Spider-Man comics were literally like the thing cause it's words and pictures. So my mom would get me those and she'd help me read with those. And I remember like I read from a really early age to the point where I think when we were, I can't remember if it was like preschool or kindergarten or something, but like my mom was dropping me off and they were starting to teach kids to read. And I guess I felt self-conscious. So I started pretending that I couldn't. And the teacher called me out on that. <laughs> and my mom yeah, had to be like, they can tell. no, hey, dummy, read. I know you know how to read. So I'd be like, okay, back to that. And then she just, you know, like I said, she would get me comics whenever I wanted so I could just read those. So I can't really remember an aspect of my life that wasn't, involving those in there yeah. you know so like for me they really kind of provided an outlet especially once things went sour around like first grade because that's when the first uh iraq war broke out and just immediately overnight i got called slurs for the rest of my <laughs> high school thing they literally, they had, my mom at one point threatened to yank me out of school and put me in a Catholic school because that was like the closest other school. I'm like, we're, we're not Catholic. She's yeah. like, I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not, not getting into a fist fight every single day. And that's exactly what was happening. Wow. But so they were like hateful. It wasn't just like one of those things where you got a nickname and you're like, I hate this, but at least it's not out of hate. It was like, hateful. no, it was straight up sand and word. <laughs> And oh, like, uh, yeah, no, that's the first time I heard that. And I was like, what is Because like, one of the things is that in our city, uh, we were next to a Navy base and it shut down a little bit. Oh. And the funny thing is, is that the Navy base kids were cool to me. It was the kids who worked in the Navy base thing. So I had like the compound thing of being like a poor kid in a rich suburb and brown on top of it. And on top of it, the country that they're at war with is the one that your family comes from. So I was not very popular for that uh, period of time. So it's weird because there's some strong energy where you could be like, you know, we left for a reason, right? Like, you know, we're not there. Like, yeah, we're not like pro Saddam. It's, 
I've been there too. Like I visited Iraq a couple of times and stuff. And it's just beautiful country. It was <laughs> until it got, you know, completely bombed and everything. But my point is, is like, um, well, why'd you screw up the fertile crescent, Logan? <laughs> I just, you know, I wanted it to be more of a full moon instead of just a crescent. Moon. More like so, mess. Opatamia. Yeah. Mesopotamia. Oh, no. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> you get it. Cause <sighs> Gilgamesh wrote that joke. <laughs> That's how old it is. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but my point is, is like when you have all of that like coming at you at a young age, you kind of gravitate towards things like like comics and like that, because it kind of just gave me a very easy and comforting like right and wrong, you know, like yeah. injustices were punished. People who did bad things were, you know, ostracized or attacked by like good guys and stuff. It's so, an escapist fantasy because it's the idea that that good can more often than not, yeah, defeat evil, which is a lie in the real. So world. it was very comforting to me, but it also, I think, it provided me like it helped me from not being fully angry, you know, because mm -hmm. if you get bullied like that and you have that, it's very easy to kind of turn into like a darker person where you're just kind of like a simmering bomb waiting to go off and just like fight people. I did get Logan, can you not stuff, be racist no. about that, please? <laughs> yeah. You know, like a jihadist bomb or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, like a pressure cooker. Yeah. Ooh. So that's one of the things that I always got out of that. And I don't know if that's a similar thing that you would have in terms of like leaning into superheroes and like comics for comfort because what? I mean, you I had was, kind of a different experience. Yeah, I was fat as shit, which in an all-white community, that's like being from Iraq. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's that's the trick. Of course, obviously, I'm 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 using a, a comedic uh, comparison. <laughs> it's not the same. I understand. Please don't. But no, like you know, I was I was fat as shit, and um, you know, it it was hard for me. It wasn't something that I was comfortable with, and it was something that I was bullied, uh, mm. bullied over, you know, drastically, and it's. You know, something that, you know, comics don't care. And, exactly. And the people that were like me, you know, like my friends that I gravitated toward, we were nerds and we liked these things. And, and we were, you know, our entertainment choices were all over the place. You know, we were like, you know what movie is the greatest movie of all time? Robocop. And also I'm reading this comic book for seven year olds. Like, See, I did not have that <laughs> because you didn't get like, to watch Robocop. Oh, no, I got to watch My parents didn't give a shit about R-rated movies or anything. Like, I could watch whatever I want. They would just have a conversation with me after the movie to kind of explain the real-world implications of that. So they were really cool about that. It's just the friends that I eventually, like, settled on making in, like, junior high and high school, no nerd Complete sports really? stuff. So, like, yeah, I never... That was one of the reasons, like, I forget. The first time I went to a Comic-Con, I think it was, like, 15 or something like and my mom just one day said hey you can go by yourself and that's cool i'm like was that a really? wizard con in, it was in wizard world chicago, chicago in yeah. Rosemont. so i get dropped off there and just it kind of blew my mind like just so <laughs> many i'm like oh there's so many like i could make a joke about daredevil and not be called a giant dork and like all of this other right. stuff and it was just because like i said all my friends were into like sports and so just they would not understand if I brought up like, uh, oh, hey, 
you know, George Perez is coming back to the Avengers, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Who the f*** is George Perez? Well, he's a good artist who does stuff and things. So, yeah, the first time I went in there, it just completely blew my mind. So, like, it's, like I said, it's weird. We have, like, a lot of similarities, but there's kind of, like, these awkward, like, differences of just experiencing that. <laughs> so, because what was your first con like? Um, I, that's too, okay. So that's a weighted question because that I have two experiences. It's sort of like your first concert. You mean a real concert or a show? Yeah. Um, so like my first con con, I was probably 12 or 13 and it was, we're talking, you know, cause remember I am from a small town in central Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I am about what, two years older than you. Yeah. So, um, we didn't have like wizard was a magazine, you know, when I was that age, but barely. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is I had gone to the holiday Inn in Beverly, Massachusetts, um, which I would then return to, um, several years later when I was, um, competing in the star Wars cache finals for the <laughs> star Wars customizable card game. I don't want to brag, but I'm bragging. And it mm -hmm. was, it was a basement convention, Logan. It, it was, it was a buyer's con where you go and people are selling their collections. Stores might have little booths where they're just selling their <laughs> You might have like, oh, Len Wein is here. Like one guy, like one artist would show up or one writer or maybe two. Uh, and these were small events that were designed to get people to just congregate and buy <laughs> So it was cool for me, but as a 12-year-old with a limited budget... You know, you're kind of, you know, we didn't have much money. So like yeah. a $5 ticket, that was my weekend. You know, that yeah, same everything. thing with me. I did not, like any con I went to, it was not spending money. It was pretty much just going to panels and yeah. But fast forward about 10 years in the future, uh, and we're looking at around uh, May of 2004, I go to Wizard World Philadelphia because I had been, you know, reading the the magazine and stuff. And I was like, you know what? This looks like a big con. I looked at who the artists were and some and some of my absolute favorite artists were going to be there, like J.G. Jones, who, who's done the show before. And I was like, man, like I'm going to go because I, I love these guys. I want to meet these guys. I had been such a, a regular at my comic shop and met some professionals and been like, I like these people. So I ended up getting a VIP pass for me and my girlfriend at the time. And we went... And it was cool because VIP at the time was they put you in a room and you just hung out with Joe Michael Linsner and JG Jones and Joe Casada and all these, you know, for those of you that don't know, these are like big names, especially in 2004 in comics. Yeah, that I mean, is. Joe Casada is the president of Marvel now. <laughs> yeah, he's, I think 2004 would have been right, yeah, during his EIC run. So, yeah, yeah that would have uh, been a big deal to hang out with him. Yeah, no, it was huge. He was he was saving Marvel from their yes. huge disastrous experience. And that to me, I was like that was I don't want to say a life-changing experience because I feel like that belittles life-changing experiences, but it absolutely was. Because I was like this is I'd never seen anything this size before. You know, New England isn't famous for having huge conventions. I mean, they they've tried a few, but it's like New England is a corner. Yeah. So like, and it doesn't, it's like a pain in the ass, like Boston, like I go to conventions, I'll be going to a convention, uh, as of recording, I'll be going to a convention in a couple of days. That looks amazing. As of listening a couple of weeks ago, I went to a convention. 
in Boston. But remember, this is a city that was built in the 1600s. So I kind of had the opposite of what you did. So like I told you, I went to Wizard World Chicago for my first one, and I thought it was great and everything. And then I remember there was a basement type con in a hotel. I don't know if it was a Holiday Inn. It might have been a Ramada Inn, just for the difference. And I talked to my best friend who, he's not into comics or anything like that but he's a big uh nerd stuff on like star wars and other Mm -hmm. like sci-fi things so he went with me and we went in there and i was just like oh (laughs) because just like the stark difference like i had been talking about how big like wizard world was and that and it wasn't disappointing it was actually kind of charming compared to like the bigger stuff but i totally get like I kind of had the opposite experience with you where you saw yeah. the small one you first started and I got your mind smaller, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like an inverse feeling, but I did appreciate the hell out of it. Like when I was in there, just because like you said, there's just so much of a more intimate feel to those basement cons that you don't get in the bigger ones. I prefer them. I mean, I like going to yeah. the big cons, but like San Diego, I always say I'm not going to San Diego and I always f-ing go to San Diego. <laughs> I like, can't I, imagine what that is because I have not gone to cons and like, why don't you go, man? I haven't gone to a con in over 10 years. So yeah. Why don't you go to San Diego? Um, You know, you can get in for free. I was literally thinking about doing that also pre pandemic because one of my best friends actually lives in San Diego. So I would have a place to stay too. So go there. Like you put in, you put your job title in the professional thing and they'll let you in. Knock on wood. uh, Cracked might be doing more of that stuff in the future. I don't want to speak on plans, but fair enough. Yeah. And actually we will be talking about that in a second, but before that, I don't know, Logan, I think you may have listened to this show before and you know that I have a fantastic batch of producers and they give me bonus money every month. And all I got to do is read their name. And so, Logan, I'm going to read some names off to you. And if you want, you can actually comment on these however you want. You ready? Yep. All right. If you are interested in becoming a uh, a patron, head to patreon.com slash Jeff May. If you already are a patron, thank you. I like you more than the people listening for free. Uh, sorry, people listening for free. It's just, come on. Uh, what do you expect me to? You're not, you're not giving me any money. Yeah. What's the deal? <laughs> I don't know why I have to be combative about it. That's unnecessary, I think. But but that being said, um, you can head to patreon.com slash Jeff May. There is a producer tier that you can sign up for. And there's also just regular tiers where you can just sign up and just be like, hey, this is fun. Um, so that being said, uh, shout out and a very special thank you to the following producers. Ricky Cilantro, Big Booty Boy, 42069. Nice. The most well-prepared dead guy. Jumping rope, still a sport. Jeff not liking it, still a fact. That's kind of wrong both. That's both things are wrong. I've seen you jump rope. (laughs) Yeah, I'm great at it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm really good at it. Um, Shout out to the bodacious, big, bad, bouncing, bollock bonanza. Shout out to Jennifer Fenderlander at AV Foundry, who, uh, I got to tell you, Mike Stanton, absolute all-star. Ooh, yeah, no. He's the best. He he sent me a dark face Grizzlor um, variant uh, that I'm very happy with. (laughs) Um, shout out to Patrick Dore or Dore. I'm sorry if I keep that up, dude. Uh, shout out to Bart Fartigan, a Steven that traps the other Steven in a box with a note that says, ha ha, I've been taking credit for your gamefully unemployed patronage for years. You fool. <laughs> um, Huey nerd numbers. Jeff has comely feet. That's not true. I have pretty ass feet. 
I um, have ugly as Do you have feet. ugly feet? I know oh, most of my dude so friends. ugly. Most of my Hideous. dude friends have ugly feet, and I'm I've done a lot to make my feet ugly, and they just aren't. I used to my job prior to crack was working on docks for like shipping and receiving stuff. Mm -hmm. So I had like I've had a pallet jack run over my toe. In so like yeah, I got like those kind of like hawk toenails because of just like oh, yeah. breaking them and like that. Not pretty feet. So Logan, funny story. Yeah, working through college, I was a dock worker. See another oh. similarity there. I, okay, I, I was a forklift and pallet jack operator. Yeah, we had. Oh, wow, that is wild. <laughs> Yeah, so I was shipping and receiving for a pharmaceutical company headquarters in Chicago, and it did not have heat on the dock. So in the morning, there would be a nice little frost layer on the toilet, and you got to either pee it breaking open or poke at it with a stupid little toilet plunger until it popped. So, so I had the other problem, <laughs> which was um, that uh, I worked in the summers and would, uh, you know, when you go into... <laughs> a tractor trailer that's been operating all day in oh, the middle yes. of a hundred degree temperature. The tractor trailer is about 130 degrees and it uh, doesn't matter what time of day it is. And I almost blacked out several times. <laughs> all yeah, right. That'll do Sh it to you. <laughs> Shout out to Andrew. You don't even like Batman McGuire. Bastard. Uh, Rudy, you. what's your favorite Pokemon Rueda? Oh, he, he snuck a question in there. Good for him. You have a favorite Pokemon? Um, I'm going to say Squirtle. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. I, and I like the racist lady. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what Jinx is that one. That what's I name think is? so. <laughs> Where it looks just like a minstrel character and you're like, this can't be. I think that is Jinx. Yeah. Japan. Do you not know about these characters? Jeff hates competitive fun. Liar. Uh, shout out to Goji. Gregarious Gregorio, AKA rad mummy. Kool-Aid Molotov says Twitter jail sucks, but telling Ted Cruz to fall onto a box of scorpions with poop-tipped stingers was well worth it. Ted Cruz is my senator. He can go to hell. Uh, boo. Uh, Gerard Ruane. Shout out to him. Uh, Farty Marty tried Jeff's egg-based diet, and all he got was this stupid nickname. Well, I mean, you got to eat stuff that isn't just eggs, man. People think <laughs> I eat just eggs, and that's not true. That you just, like, ha your entire refrigerator is just, like, cartons of eggs on top of cartons of yeah. eggs <laughs> although i get the i get the best eggs in the game man my farm yeah market. oh yeah those the yolks are like they're like orange orange like crayon orange have you had non-chicken eggs like ostrich eggs or other I've had an ostrich eggs uh i have had ostrich ostrich egg before or maybe it was an emu egg i forget which one fan or not a fan uh it's fine i don't need it like <laughs> Like, it's something that you're like, well, I got that out of the way. It's like eating ostrich where you're like, okay, I did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Next. Uh, shout out to, uh, let's see, did it, did it, Funky J. Show me in the rules where it says a dog can't play basketball. Gray man of the nightmare potluck. Everyone is welcome at the table. <sighs> shout out to Jeff using deep blue sea memes to break bad news. Tyler Wilgus asking seven. In the time since he changed his name on this document, Jezbutt had a kid, got a new job, and got COVID. Ah, Jezbutt. I remember Jezbutt. Shout out to Jezbutt. Yeah. Um, shout out to Aaron Meyer. Shout out to L. Got on a plane and, and did not go to Winnipeg because it doesn't have an airport. Seldo. But in Soviet Russia, we have cool Jeffs. <clears throat> it was me, Jeff. I've been giving you $10 a month since the beginning so you could afford more gas station Pop-Tarts, keeping you sluggish. Just slow enough for me to steal Christmas. Do you celebrate Christmas? <sighs> Um, yeah, like, 
my parents were just like, okay, this is the holiday that everyone sells, so we're not going to make you not get a gift. So Right? Go. Yeah. <laughs> like, that just seems... Like, the fact that cr- Christmas is just not... It's not a Christian holiday anymore. It really, it isn't. Like, no. at this point, it's just... Yeah. I, and I kind of... I'm not going to lie. Like, I like the pageantry. I like the decorations. I, I like people kind of being a little nicer towards each other. And it just... When it snows, it Chicago looks beautiful. So, yeah. Logan, you don't have to tell me, buddy. (laughs) The pageantry is what I am all about here at Jeff has cool friends. Patreon.com slash Jeff May. Shout out to Krogan Cronenberger Meister Meisterberger. Where's Clawful? (sighs) Three Jacob Tremblays in a trench coat sneaking into an R-rated movie. Parker Aylesworth lives in Kansas City and can confirm the birth of alcoholism. Uh, I'm I'm assuming it's the birthplace. Uh, Good for you, Parker. I'm going to have to get back to Kansas City. I love that city. Shout out to Christy Salinas. Kale's only true purpose is as the garnish at a 1996 Pizza Hut buffet. Shebrew sleeps at the Pajamarai has a new baby. Bad time to become a podcast producer? Nope. Nope. It's a good time to do it, my man. Give me that money. Your baby will be fine. Uh, shout out to verbose minimalist Welzowski. Adam Warlock. He wants your soul. Uh, Kruger Bing, formerly known as Krenter. The local man at Gavin underscore not with two T's. Jeffrey Bezos, the worst Jeff. That's very true. Nicholas, happy to pay more for this privilege. Fabian, Michael Wells, Bitch Squatch and Clippy are Jeff's coolest friends. I think you mean sass. <laughs> Did you ever listen to the Monday show? Um, no, I just am aware of how it ended. Yeah, <laughs> so, fair yeah. enough. Um, I used to have a character named sass and it was a teenage girl sasquatch ah <laughs> and she would say, say stuff like i can't believe you would even say that to me i my father was in harry and the hendersons <laughs> stuff like that i kind of like this character <laughs> yeah sass and then clippy i would just anytime something i'd be like hey guys how you doing i hear you talking about some facts you need some help Clippy, i think has been on other shows because i recall that voice <laughs> Clip, clippy comes back yeah. a lot yeah clippy makes clippy makes cameos other places but Sass just, uh, I don't know. It just seemed like something of the time. That seems like a TikTok thing that would take off. I love that people, I love that inside when inside jokes like really last and people yes. like really react strong to them. And they're just like, remember this joke you did seven years ago? I was like, I sure do. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Probably should have put it on a t-shirt. But I didn't, and that's fine. My name is Jeff May, and this is not a Patreon name. This is a truthful concession that I do like sports. Oh, thank you. You edited it. Or you f***ed up your sentence. And either way, that works. Uh, Shout out to Jeff May convinced me to quit Twitter, and you should quit too because it's awful. If I didn't need it, I would have be so gone with that f***ing website. It's ironic that you're saying that on the day. Or not ironic, but just Elon Musk just bought a large share of Twitter and is now on their board. So I... Really hate him. He's, uh, he's a real piece of such shit. a douche. Um, Kimball, the casual Frankenstein. Uh, shout out to the target loss prevention officer currently hunting Jeff. Do you understand that reference? Because I shoplift peanut <laughs> M and M's at Target every time I go. Eh, Target. <laughs> so. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. It's like I'm giving you some of my money. I'm taking this buck forty nine. You'll be fine. Uh, Steven, you know what? At least you're not a Steven with a V. Plus, this box is kind of comfy. We have a Steven war going on. um, Between the the pH and the Vs? 
Uh, they both seem to have pHs. So um, uh, I think St I think this Stephen is accepted that uh, they can be friends. Okay. I think the I think this is an R like a truce. Um, shout out to Mr. Billy Beck and Cody Beck, a, a fantastic married couple that both individually subscribe. So nice. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Mike Gouts. Shout out to Lisa McCarty at Comics Book Girl. Comics with an X and girl with a U. What what, what city are you in, Logan? I am in between Houston and um, Galveston. Like okay. it's yeah. So do you ever make it to area. Austin? Yeah, I've been to Austin a couple of times. Okay. Um, nice city and great food. So yeah. Yeah. Lisa works at a, a place called Austin games and books i believe a comic shop i think i passed by there one time yeah i'm surprised you didn't go in but she's one of my wizard universe uh, message board friends i f***ed up my knee on a mechanical bull uh, in austin about right. last yeah. time i went there so yeah right. shout out to just pivo dr dna okay here i go ready thor creature feature <laughs> creature feet thor I believe that was written by Tim McCuga, because uh, we used to be obsessed with the heavy metal, the Canadian heavy metal singer Thor, that mm -hmm. used to sing terrible music and do pe feats of strength on stage. He looked like like a Canadian He-Man. I kind of remember, like, I think I've seen videos of this guy on YouTube. And I think you may have shared them with me. I absolutely so. have yeah. shared them. But Google, like, keep the dogs at bay. Do Google Thor keep the dogs away or keep the dogs at bay. I forget what the name of the song is. Just just a a bastion of earwormy turds um, <laughs> that this guy makes and I I am obsessed. And he used to like he used to just blow up an inflatable water bottle until it exploded with his face. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh shout out to the scene in Meet Joe Black where Brad Pitt dies. Fantastic I'm never going to have a pot. What was that? Fantastic scene. I That's will cool. never stop laughing at that scene. Yeah. I'm never going to have a history podcast you little <laughs> So stop asking. Mackenzie Sisyphus may be happy, but he's in a CrossFit, so f him chill. Instagram and Twitter's at Bob underscore of underscore skull. Bring back Pepsi Blue. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, no. Why? Also, I would like to shout out Bob. Uh, Bob of Skull uh, ordered me and had sent the um, new Masters of the Universe um, Clawful. The Origins Clawful. I love how people know that Clawful is your favorite. <laughs> I do <laughs> not hide that because yeah. it's ridiculous. Shout out to Lemming Malloy, Norm from Cheers. Uh, an extra special shout out to Norm from Cheers for finding all my curse words. He is fantastic. Uh, uh, shout out to Burrito Mouth, Dan Hackroyd, Taurus Bulba. Everything, everyone check out the 1994 comedy, Twin Sitters, the 90th movie ever made. Uh, shout out to the Itty Bitty Millie Committee, Pity the Fool That. Shout out to Kelly says, get your booster, you gaslighting dip turds. I feel like, Kelly, you need to update that one. Come on. Mm. I think we're past booster stuff at this point. Shout out to who's the master? Show enough, a.k.a. Oh, yeah. Bruce Leroy. Shout out to my co-producer of Mint on Card, Lisa Harden. Shout out to Jessica Robertson, Silius Ruby. My name is Jeff May, and this is not a truthful, this is not a Patreon name. This is a truthful confession that I do not like sports. Ah, that's how they got me. Oh, they thought you, man, you thought you won. And then, yeah, that's boom, how they get right me. in the nuts. It was me, Jeff. <laughs> shout out, shout out to the digital Phil, the ghost of Dave Thomas and Jolly Buckaroo in the last yeehaw. Uh, shout out to each and every one of those patrons. And I really appreciate that. And I appreciate each and every one of you for giving me money and also your ears. 
You can head to patreon.com slash Jeff May for more on that. Logan cracked. Yes. Let's talk about it. Okay. Um, all of your friends got fired and you didn't. Yeah. How was that? Weird as hell. Because the because... owners now are not the people that did it. No. Uh, so we can ownership talk is... on those people, right? Yeah. Ownership has changed um, since then. It was... It was, man, there was a lot of like survivor's guilt kind of mm -hmm. <laughs> a certain thing just because like literally everybody I knew almost with the exception of like, you know, Jason Parjan and like Syriac and Christy and Brockway, like everyone was just gone. And at the same time, and it's just various states of like trying to check on people, but there's also this weird kind of disconnect where like I wasn't in the office because I worked remote mm -hmm. the entire time. So like there are people who I like kind of knew and like had become friends with, but at the same time there wasn't like the level of friendship that they all had. So, at the, so yeah. I just didn't really know how to respond to that. Like I've become, I want to say like I've become friends more with like Dave and Tom since they've left cracked yeah. more than like we were when, they were actually there. So yeah, it was just, I remember getting the call and just like, I didn't even know if I was fired, but then at some point Jason messaged me and everything. And I was a contractor at that time. So it was like, um, like I just had no idea. Like I wasn't even in the meeting where they announced all of that stuff. So it was really just a strange, strange feeling of like, okay, I got a job, but, a bunch of people who are more talented than me or, you know, friends of mine and stuff don't. And I don't know how I feel about that. And it took yeah. me a long while to wrap my head around that. Like I didn't even want to tweet or like do stuff. Cause I just, it's like, Oh, what if they see that? Like, are they going to feel weird about that? Like I'd message them and tell them that I missed them and stuff. But yeah, it was strange, strange times. It, it seems like it would have been, especially because like it really was, I mean, we talk about that a lot because I do want to talk about sort of like where you are now and, and where you are with the brand and, and the direction the brand is going because everybody considers that to have been a golden age when you look at the people that were writing on there and you saw, you know, you know, Adam, Adam left, uh, obviously, because because they got rid of him for the, the Patreon thing or whatever. And then, um, you know, Soren, I think, left so he could work on whatever. But then all of a sudden you had these these writers that are now like Emmy winners and that that have, have uh, gone on to make these huge projects and then to just let them go. Like, what was the damage control like after that? Um, I will say this. Uh, everyone who got let go was extremely generous in pointing out that this was a decision of people way way up on the pay grade at scripts and not like you know the people still working there like at no point where they like hey you know this site forever never even read that or that like they were always like hey the people who are still you know editing or writing and stuff and the freelancers they're they're still working so please check that out and you know Considering what they were going through, they really didn't need to do that. But I always look at that as just like, 
an amazing bit of kindness, like in a very rough time that they were going through. And I've just, I never forget that or take that for granted. But what, what was the office sort of damage control on that? Because there had to have been a meeting where we were like, Hey, everybody hates us right now. How do we fix this? Like that had to have been addressed, right? Uh, part of that was probably addressed more in like the actual things because you have to understand like um in my period with that i was still a contractor i became more uh, i became a full employee like a couple of months down the line from there so that's when i was started getting like more of like the backdoor stuff but from when i was like what i understood and everything they were just it was literally just trying to make sure that everyone knew what they had to do the next day because it was such a drastic situation. Like I remember like it was like mid email, like they were like, Oh, we're going into a meeting. And then no one replied for like five hours until I found out what was happening. So it was, like I said, it was just a very drastic quick thing from the previous ownership that just like was out of nowhere. Like I, don't know i really am not sure who saw it coming like even jason was he's mentioned this before so i don't think i'm betraying anything but like he had literally driven all night to take care of his dog like it had to go to a vet for a thing and he had been going on like no sleep so like what you have is basically four full staffers and a bunch of contractors trying to just do what they could to make sure that the site published the next day. And that was just like one of the hardest things. Like that first week was kind of impossible. Like when people ask me, like, what do you remember from that? I kind of don't because it was just such a flash of like, okay, I need to do like five different things to make sure an article goes up. Then I have to talk about which contractors I'm still allowed to use and like all this other types of things going on there. So yeah. It was kind of a bizarre situation, to put it lightly. And also, bear in mind, almost none of us lived in the same state. Like, I'm in Texas. Jason was in Tennessee. Like, Syrac's in New York. So, like, we're talking about, like, people just all over the country. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it was strange. And on top of it, it was... Because I've... um. I mentioned like my previous job I was doing uh, shipping and receiving yeah. for a pharmaceutical company and that company was doing, they did rounds of layoffs during that era and I could like see that in front of me and like you could see people like in the office like talking to each other and kind of doing that with the way that this turned out, there was none of that because everybody was in different states and it was all remote. So I just, yeah. it was kind of a very strange feeling and like I said, just the fact that like people took time out of their day to be like, Hey, don't hate the people still working there. Like when they didn't have to do that, it's just like a thing I'll never really forget. And I yeah. am super appreciative of. So. Yeah, yeah. Cause it's definitely one of those things. Cause you know, I mean, I'm still, I'm still connected to, to crack through social media. You know, they still follow. I had uh, been working on some articles and when they fired Adam, I was just like, this you guys. And I left. Mm. Um, for, for my own personal reasons, you know, detriment notwithstanding, I was just like, oh, this. but like, I do see the comments and I'm assuming you guys see them too, where people do kind of, they will just sort of get angry and troll that this company fired people, you know, what, four and a half years ago. 
Yeah. And it's not even the company now. Like it, it, it seems very. Yeah. It can get annoying with that. But at the same time, like none of that stuff really hits me as hard just because it's like from my personal experience, like I've had people hate me because of my skin color and shit like that. So yeah. like some rando, like talking about a thing that I literally had nothing to do with. And that was like you mentioned like three companies ago. It's less less like hurt feelings and more just like annoyance of ignorance. Like it's just like, you don't know what you're talking about. Shut up and just like, yeah. But at the same time with some of the comments, I kind of realize that it's like coming, not the ones, but I do realize it's coming from a fan who just kind of doesn't understand what goes on behind the curtains of like running a company like that, or just any of the weird choices that go in there. And I kind of look at it through that perspective. The thing that really annoys me is when it's just like a situation where they're just completely pulling something out of their ass. Like, yeah. And they're just saying like, oh, I think, you know, the phrase is like, got woke, went broke or something like that. And it's like, no, like not even on the top, like 500 lists of things that caused that to happen. So off. and usually the persons who say that are kind of and let's so like i said I just oh geez somebody that know. says went woke uh, is uh yeah is i don't believe that yeah so usually like i just really don't pay heed to those type of comments and then i really just focus really more on just trying to do the best that i can with what we're doing and stuff we got a lot of like great writers who still write for us we got a lot of things that we're excited about that we're doing like i mentioned you know there might be plans for like convention there might be plans for other stuff we got video back and running and you know it's been a like step-by-step progress but we're starting to have more things and more things to be excited about and we're trying to build that stuff back i try to focus more on like the things that are making me excited about the job rather than just rando comment things because literally the first job the first article i ever wrote for cracked so in the like golden age era of crack the first article i would i got dm saying hey we should deport you and i'm like how the hell do you even know i'm brown because like i said i like i wasn't even saying that so like i just kind of put comments i really don't pay any heed to comments because a i've heard worse in my real life just based off of like, you know, prejudice and things like that. And B, a lot of the things that people say, and I don't know if it's just me as a creative or something, they're not worse than the that I say when I edit my own stuff or like when I think like a joke has not gone off well. Like I'm my worst critic. So nothing that a rando commenter can say to me ever really will bring me down in that way, if that makes sense. Well, I'll do what I can. <laughs> I'll reevaluate my comments on there. But I do wonder about it because, you know, I'm of I'm of several minds, which was my first mind was like, man, f- this company. Like obviously, like the people that were involved in, in firing Adam, I thought that was really devious. Mm. Um the way to let somebody to not tell them they can't do something, let them write an article about the thing they're doing. They're telegraphing what they're doing. And as soon as they do it, you fire them without any warning that that's what could happen. I thought was, I thought it was like really So like, obviously I was a little bit twisted at cracked, but I still loved, you know, Tom and Dave, everybody there. Like, so I was a little bit like, man, this company, I'm glad my friends still make money there. And then they fired everyone. I was like, man, extra this, extra this company. Cause then it became like, well, you're really the only 
person left that I, I, I was considering myself friends with. So I've always been really wondering like how, how internally after everybody got kind of the boot, like how that was dealt with by everyone that was left and by the company. And now that they're no longer, you know, owners of cracked, like how do you sort of rebuild and try to emulate something that people consider a golden age? Okay. So with the first part of that, it was really just people grabbing onto each other. Like it's just, everyone was pretty much working their ass off to make sure that the site still operated. And it's, I don't think people really know the amount of work that people like Jason or even Syriac or, you know, the others who were there were really putting into just making sure that there was a still operational site so that freelancers could get paid and that they could just still continue operating and stuff. So really it was a lot of people coming together and just really working their asses off to just continue publishing. And, you know, we treaded water for a lot of time and I don't really know the full behind the scenes details because as I said, I was really uh, contracting mostly then. So I just could kind of like piece together the stuff. But really, um, a lot of it seems to be related in terms of the old company being an old media entity that really just didn't know what to do with this new media company that they had. And also, obviously, the Facebook bullshit. There's, uh, you can <laughs> for go. You that are, for those of you that are not aware, Facebook lied about the importance of video and it caused a lot of companies to lose. There's a, a fantastic thread by Adam Conover that just kind of delves into the whole thing and it's applicable to every single like website that probably went down in that era. Friend but, of the show, Adam Conover. And uh, yeah, didn't he do a mint on card? Oh, he's uh, done mint on card a couple times. Yeah. No, I saw a, him not too long ago and I thanked him for his, um, the hotel, t um, stores video that he shared about yeah. how like if you're at a hotel make sure you request the turndown service every time yeah yeah so great. like that was just a large part of it was just you know people gathering and trying to like just to hold hold water until then and then with the new company that has purchased us there's not that they understand that we're like a comedy company and they're not trying to really change that if anything they've been really more supportive of us trying to get back to doing some of the stuff that we used to do and that we had fun with like i said they brought back video and we kind of had video series that kind of echoed the feel of like previous crack literally we've been talking about writing more comedy and doing more other things like that like it's night and day difference in terms of the attitude of understanding what you have got and kind of wanting to make that grow versus just like what scripts did which is just kind of write it off and they kind of wrote it off in a very cold way so yeah, yeah. i guess the issue is that like dan o'brien's not coming back Zorna's not coming no. back people have moved no. on they, they like, make a, they make they do very well for themselves yeah not doing so that. i mean dan's literally on an hbo show and he has multiple emmys he's not gonna come back to crack and i don't begrudge him that like that i'm totally cool with dan i love dan o'brien so when you're on like the creative aspect of that, it's how do I create the new thing? And that's kind of like the as that's kind of like the vision that we try to take there is like we're trying to figure out how to do that new thing and how to get that more interesting thing. And that's 
where any success will have to lie is trying to go back to making comedy and just kind of like expanding on that. And I think that we have the keys to do that. It's just a matter of like digging your way out of that hole. And we're in much better condition than we were before. And hopefully we'll be better next year, but it's, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight and it's just, you know, trial and error. And that's kind of the attitude that you have to have with that. Yeah. I know you guys um, rely heavily on on freelance writers. Uh, is there any move to put people more sort of back on the whole, like the regular staff writer, like the the articles in the way that it used to be? Or is that something where we're like, well, that's not necessarily the same direction that we're moving in? There's certain types of things that are flowing in that I can't really get into because it's like behind the scenes stuff and planning okay. things. I can't really explain that at this moment. But Oh, well, f*** you then. Yeah. So, but like I said, it's in terms of just like what we want to do is we want to just be the best comedy site that we can be and Mm -hmm. try to expand on that. And that's kind of like the mandate and like the goal of everybody. And when you have that from like, you know, your coworkers and the management kind of has the same attitude, it's a much easier thing to navigate than, like I said, old media company, literally not understanding what you're doing. So yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, you know, it's just, those are just questions I had that, you know, I've always been sort of wondering about with sort of that survivor's guilt and, and sort of still being at the company that did, you know, a larger company than cracked obviously is who dicked your friends, but you know, I always I wonder about that because I, I think about how I would I'm too stupid to have such tempered responses. I'm I'm too um weirdly loyal and um and aggressively Bostonian to to sort of be able to have the composure that you have. There's a couple of reasons for that. Partially a like I said, I've had jobs before that, so I did a lot of customer service back in the day too. So just mm-hmm. I kind of get like having to kind of maintain that, and then be just like a also person of color. You kind of have to manage your words carefully in a lot of different work circumstances. Not in this job, like with Crack specifically, but just like since I was eighteen. <laughs> You're like, they're hugely racist. I'm so Yeah. Since I was 18, like I had to watch my mouth in terms of certain things like with that. So I try not to go overboard on things like that because I just, I understand that there's certain things that are beyond my control with things and I can just really control what's in front of me with that. So I try not to let it drive me too insane. But like you said, there was definite survivor's guilt. I think I sent... (laughs) I think I might have become annoying to Tom and Dave because I kept dropping like any time I would find a job posting for like an editor for like any website, I would just immediately DM them and say, hey, apply to this like that. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know if that annoyed the hell out of them, but it made me feel a little better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I I got I got something. Uh, I have this. Here you go. Um, so now, uh, Logan, I'm going to have you stick around because we're going to, we're going to do some stuff. Uh, we're going to do some stuff, some Patreon exclusive, uh, content, but, um, Logan, what do you want people to find uh, of yours? What what do you want people to do about you? Uh, check me out on Twitter and Instagram at the Logan Trent. Um, as Jeff says, don't hit me up on Facebook. I literally only use it for work stuff, so I'm not going to like message you there or anything. Um, also please check out cracked. We have a lot of great 
new things coming out. Uh, I finally got somebody to write the article about why The Mummy is such a racist piece of movie. So check that out. Oh, finally, uh, finally, we can we can turn our backs on the all the mummy, uh, all the all the mummy worship that we have. Oh, no, it's literally one of the most annoying things is how on film Twitter is how I will constantly see the mummy is a perfect film from so many people who should know better and it's just like mm, no <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair enough um all right well uh so definitely check out at the logan trent on social media you know the ones that matter um <laughs> facebook uh, but that being said check them out and uh check out crack.com uh you might be mad because they fired some of your favorites but that doesn't mean that the people there have anything to do with that um, so, uh, check it out. I mean, some great people, friends of the show, Eric Barnes writes articles for cracked and Eric Barnes is a damn delight. Not only that, but like, that's one of the things that always struck me as hilarious is that they kept, people would complain like, Oh, you've got rid of everybody who did that. Well, a lot of the freelancers who were people that they loved prior to the layoffs were still writing for the site. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, no, we still have a lot of these same exact writers doing the exact same things. It's just, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, for those of you that, if you want to hear more from me, uh, if you are listening on the Patreon, thank you so much. If you are listening for free, I do love you. I was just being mean uh, earlier. But you can check out patreon.com slash May for early uncensored episodes with bonus content, like the kind that Logan and I are going to involve ourselves in in a very short uh, manner of minutes. You can also check out uh, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network and Unpopular Opinion and You Don't Even Like Sports, a sports podcast for people who don't like sports, both available on the Unpops Network. Uh, if you are a person that is in New England, maybe you saw me. Did you see me? Was I there? Was I good? Um, if not, and if you are listening to this uh, upon release, uh, thank you uh, for for being that. Uh, I just saw you. That's exciting. You can check me out at uh, uh, Motor City Comic Con in Detroit, Michigan, the weekend of the 13th, if you are a person in Michigan. Come to that, Logan. If you do see Jeff, the proper way to do that is to walk up to him and just give him a note that says, I see you, and not say a word. I love that. Do that. Yeah. Uh, somebody, um, somebody definitely shouted me out when I was in line at WonderCon getting my "I've been vaccinated" badge, uh, and they were like, "You're Jeff May," and I was like, "Damn right!" <laughs> I was like, "I am," and I was having a day, and that really lifted me up. Uh, if if you see me, recognize me. You are not bothering me by telling me hi. I'm not famous enough to be harassed, so yeah. <laughs> uh, you're welcome to do that. Uh, if you are uh, a free listener. Hey, we'll see you in two weeks with another fantastic guest. If not, stick around because we've got some fantastic stuff going. Okay, Logan, say goodbye to some people. Bye. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Wow, that was yeah. strong, strong finish, Logan. Real, real, real great. <laughs> real, get, real good guesting right there. Uh, bye, everyone. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at troynababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy, does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.